spend my days with a woman unkind Smoke my stuff and drink all my wine Joint Scotty and Ants Thursday, August 22nd from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. All right, PK, you talked with Utah tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator Fred Whittingham Jr. What do you want to chat him up about? In her hair. I can't think when this song is being played. Well, you need to. I have to? Yep, you need to. Listen to this, man. This is awesome. The tight ends have been a big part recently. On a big jet plane. All, all the same. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Watch out. And so how good are the tight ends going to be? Because they need to be good in this offense for it to be successful. And Freddie is coaching the tight ends. He's lost 40 pounds since the spring. Good, good for, for him. Yeah, absolutely. Dropping the LBs. Right. He was issued a challenge by someone in the family. Would that person also be on staff? He would be his boss. <laughs> With a handsome reward, I might add, but we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> and so Freddie met that challenge. And now he's got to coach up these tight ends. And the tight ends are an integral part if they're used correctly. And for years, Utah didn't really use the tight ends. And then Jake Murphy came along and, and Tonga. Those guys got some run. And now they got Fotheringham and Keithy. Some other guys in the mix. And you look at Stanford, right? And Utah's program has been compared to Stanford. Stanford has been a model for tight ends. And to go in the NFL, not just play well at the collegiate level, but to go into the NFL. And if you're going to model your offense, and those two have been talked about as being similar, then you need to have those tight ends. So I spoke to him about the tight ends, and what can we expect from the tight ends in the offense that is going to be run by Andy Ludwig? Coach, we've seen in the last couple years the tight ends really take on a more prominent role offensively. Now we got a new offensive coordinator. What should we expect from the tight ends this season? Well, in this offense, in this scheme, it looks like we're going to be utilizing the tight ends quite a bit. Uh, 11 personnel schemes, 12 personnel, a uh, big part of both the running game and the, the passing game. So hopefully we'll be able to see a lot of the tight ends. How much of that is scheme versus having the sufficient talent to be able to do what you want to do there? I think it's a mixture of both. I think that that he, Coach Ludwig, would prefer to utilize tight ends in his scheme if he has them. And I think we got a couple of really good ones, three or four really good ones, yeah. So when he came in and you were a holdover on the staff, did you have to sell him on it and did he discover it himself? Little of both, little of both. We told him that we had some good ones and then watched a lot of film, uh, cut-ups from the previous season, and then in spring ball, I think, is when he kind of saw with his own eyes that, hey, we got some dudes that we can use at this position. So what can you do? I assume when you say two, you mentioned four, but two obviously right off the bat would be Keithy and... Uh, was it Fotheringham? Yeah. Uh, what can you do with those two guys specifically? Well, you, you uh, both both of them have a diverse range of, of abilities in terms of being able to pass block, run block, and uh, run routes, get separation, catch the ball. I would say Keithy does have a little bit more juice when it comes to downfield routes. He's got uh, 
ability to really separate. Um, both of them have outstanding ball skills catching the ball. And so I think what you can do is you can put the def defense in a bind in terms of you have two tight ends in on the field. They're both good run blockers. You can run run the ball. So then when the, def the defense puts in you know, their base personnel with three linebackers, four D linemen, or three D linemen, four linebackers, now you have a one-on-one -on -one matchup of one of those guys against the linebackers to start throwing the ball. So it becomes a, uh, a personnel matchup issue for the defense. And it, you can also uh, mess with some formations and have it be a formational deal because a lot of defenses will uh, call their defense based on one of, one of the primary factors being formation. And if you have tight ends that can split out and spread the field or condense and be attached and be equally effective in both, then you really are, are uh, making your offense a lot more unpredictable, uh, putting the defensive uh, coordinator on the other side of the ball in a bind trying to figure out, okay, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. All right, they, you know, they loading up for the run, they, they spread it out for the pass. They, they can't really figure it out if you got guys that can do both. So when the pass, when they're, when they're catching passes, is it more out of a, a base play formation or is it more element of surprise where you're catching them off guard, the defense, I mean? Uh, it's, it's all part of the scheme. Um, so any given uh, pass play, whether it be a play action pass, you know, a naked or a bootleg or a straight drop back pass, the tight end is involved in our scheme in one way or the other. Um, there are a few where, you know, they're involved in play action passes as a, as a pass blocker, uh, but then there's others where they're going to be, you know, releasing on the route and, and becoming you know, that much more difficult for the defense to figure out what's going on and, and how to defend it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like last year the uh, red zone usage of the tight end was pretty high as opposed to the rest of the field. I think that's an accurate statement. Yeah, we tend to bring in more tight ends once we got down into the red zone. We had a four tight end package when we got down to the low red zone. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, utilize them to uh, to be run blockers. But then you saw that we ran some, some bootlegs out of that. And, you know, I think Cole and Brand, they got some touchdowns yeah, right, early on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Cole caught one in his very first college game. On yeah, it seems so simple. Yeah. To me, it does. <laughs> as, the, as the tight end coach, I love it. You know, but I think, you know, Coach Taylor. Taylor, he was an excellent offensive mind, but his, you know, his his offense was really spread based, right? And uh, that's what he did at Folsom High School. That's what he did at Eastern Washington. And we came here. I think that it kind of evolved, like any good coach does. That we need to utilize the, the tight ends that we have into this offense in different ways, whether it be red zone, low red zone, or you know, middle of the field. And you saw that that usage, as you said at the very beginning, escalate as the offense evolved. How did it come about? about because it seemed like it's uh, like Stanford they've been known for having great tight ends putting tight ends in the NFL back in your day when you played in college BYU was using tight ends and they were such a weapon but it didn't seem like for many years here at Utah that it wasn't happening so what was the evolution to get these guys involved? Well, part of it, I think, is the evolution of the game. I think you've seen a lot of spread offenses that used to use 10 personnel, four wideouts and a running back, have gone to at least using one tight end. I think you see more 11 personnel now. And part of the problem is when you're in a spread running game, okay, you've got zone read, inside and outside zone. And beyond that, you know, they're, they're relatively short edges, right? You, don't, you, you add tight ends in there and you add another couple of gaps for the defenses to have to, to fill and to contain. And so I think 
think that uh, you know part of it is if you look at the NFL, you see teams like the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Rams go to a lot of two tight end sets. And football kind of people go with the trends, you know. And when Urban Meyer came here, he wanted to be a spread guy, right? And so the spread was installed. It was very successful. 12-0 season, Fiesta Bowl. So that kind of carried over for several years. And I think that it, you know, just in the last two, three years, um, we've started to move back toward more tight ends involved in the offense. And and uh, I think it's great. I think, you know, it's uh, currently the trend in offensive football. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can be productive enough to make it stay that way. So success in recruiting tight ends to see them get on the field and do their thing. Does that breed itself in terms of being able to then carry it forward when these guys leave? Tight ends see the U of U is going to use them and they can get some glory. I definitely think so, because if you look at the guys we've been using in the last couple of years, Jake Jackson, converted linebacker, Connor Haller, converted linebacker, uh, Brant Keithy was a running back in high school, uh, Cole Fotheringham's really one of the first true tight ends that we've uh, been able to recruit. And I think when a tight end sees that they're going to be more than just an extra offensive lineman run blocking, right. they, they, they take notice and it becomes easier to convince them to come be a part of your offense as a tight end. I think Stanford, you know, is is a good example right. of that. They they attract tight ends uh, because they are an offense for several years that have featured the tight end and really utilize the tight end. So now I feel like we're in a recruiting position where we can point to the game tape, we can point to the statistics and say, hey, you're going to come here yeah. and you're going to catch the ball. And then also, too, how important, though, you mentioned that run game is the tight end being able to do what he does. It's huge. And we, we talk about that all the ta- time. You know, the natural tendency for a tight end or any skill player is to want the ball, right? So yeah, yeah. get thrown the ball. But we, we preach that you've got to have an impact and this offense scoring points in both phases, in the run game and the pass game. you got to be effective as a run blocker. It's you, you kind of have to be able to block like an offensive tackle, run routes and catch uh, passes like a, a wide receiver. And again, like we talked about earlier, if you can do that, you make your offense so much more diverse, right? And yeah. and uh, so I think that it, it stem, all stems from that. So how available those guys because you just put a lot on their plate right there how available are yeah, they? I mean, are they easy to find or are they scarce? Because you just mentioned, you know, mentioned Stanford. Well, those are NFL guys. Are there a lot of guys to choose from or is it hard to recruit those types of players? Uh, I think it's one of the harder positions to recruit, okay? Things trickle down. So um, now now that high schools are finally starting to utilize more tight ends, so many of them are straight spread, especially Texas, yeah. California, stuff like that. So now more of them are playing the position in high school, but for a while you were really having to project the top taller wide receivers that could put on 30, 40 pounds and turn into a tight end. Um, But now you're seeing more of them that are coming out of high school that have played the position. And, uh, but it's still... It's still not easy to find tight ends, and you got to do a lot of projection. I, I like guys that can run, that you have to have the frame to maybe put on 20, 30 pounds and end up at 240, you know, 250 uh, by the time they're a sophomore, junior, uh, because those guys seem to never lose that element of the skill player, okay. you know? Yeah. And so you also have this big dope former defensive end helping you coach tight ends? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a help with uh, our room for sure. Um, Trevor, I'll tell you what, he, he, he knows football 
big time. And having been on the defensive side as a defensive end and a linebacker, we get that perspective all the time. And those are the guys we're matched up against all the time. Most, you know, in the in the run game, we're blocking defensive ends, we're blocking outside linebackers. And so having him as that uh, as that guy to give us that perspective has been awesome. Plus, he's uh, you know he's got one of those guys with a magical personality that never has a down day, keeps everybody laughing, keeps everybody on their toes, and it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, but isn't he always telling you that he could throw the football over the mountain or he hit the ball, golf ball 400 yards? Uh, he can do everything. Yeah, yeah, he can. He's always but telling the, you how great he is. Uh, but that's confidence, right? He just he simply believes that he can. And you know what? Half the time, he's right. Every once in a while, I, I'll beat him at something. Okay. All right. Thanks, Freddie. Fred Winningham, tight ends coach, recruiting coordinator. Speaking of Trevor Riley. There at the, the U, Trevor Riley. He's helping me. Launching a coaching career. It's good, dude. Yeah, if they can have tight ends that can be effective and come close to what Stanford has done, then they're really on to something, man. And that's going to be a huge, huge advantage for them. Wouldn't need as many wide receivers then. Exactly. Well, you need production, no matter who you're getting it from. If you're getting it from the, the guys uh, you know, in closer to the line of scrimmage, great. Especially if they're guys who can flex out and be spread and kind of turn into slot receivers. I'm excited to see what this offense can do and how good is it because it has this opportunity, but opportunity it needs to be reality. You know, what are they going to do when the pressure is really on? That, ultimately, that's what's going to decide the success. Not hanging 40 points on the bottom half of the conference. Yeah, that's nice. And you know, there'll be games like that for sure. Well, if you're good, you should have games like that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with them. And I think they will. And, but there's going to be two or three games that are just going to be, what, are the white knucklers, whatever you say? And what's the O going to do then, man? Because if they can come out and score, man, that's just going to take a huge, huge amount of pressure off the just the team and everything and the defense. The defense will be fine. But if the offense can just come close to matching what is anticipated or what is po- – not maybe not anticipated, but what is possible – and they really, really, they really have something. Then it's go time, Pasadena. Hello. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Interesting you said that high schools are using tight ends, and now they're starting to get to the point where you can actually recruit a tight end, because that just rarely seemed to happen. It seemed it was converted wide receivers. Find a tall guy, and he can gain 30 pounds. He'll be a tight end one day. But do those guys ever really want to run block? Because his whole point early in the interview, which you hear yeah. echoed by other coaches on other staffs, is you, you have to be a legitimate threat to do both. If you do one way better than the other, they're going to read that as a tendency and play it accordingly. Well, I think that depends on what you have, too, as, for your team. Because you look at BYU with Harleen and Coates. Harleen was just a sponge. He could run. He could catch. But Coach was a bigger dude. Coach was a wideout in high school. I think went to Northridge. He was, and they just dominated. I mean, I went. I covered a playoff game for the Tribune way back when, and I had no clue who these kids were. And I look out there and I see this guy. Okay, you're just way better than everybody Six, else. Six five two. Look like you're going half speed, and you're way better than everybody else. And then he got to to Provo, put on some weight, and he became an excellent player. And he was able to run block. And I remember Robin and I walking out of the indoor practice facility. One year, and he told me, and I, and I knew Robert pretty well, and he was telling me, Coach is going to play in the NFL. And he just said it. He said, yeah, the way he blocks. 
not the greatest route runner and pass catcher, but the way he blocks, he's good enough on that, but he's excellent on the blocking. And sure enough, Robert was dead on because Coates played now, I think he's coaching high school football here, and he played a number of years in the NFL. So if you have that combo, you know, you can use that to your advantage. And you need, I think you need more than one now. And if you can, and that was a great combination, obviously, Harleen and Coates. I think they were both seniors together. I'd have to double check that, but I think they were both seniors on that 2006 team that was so good for the Cougars. And if it's Keithy and Frothingham can do that combined, they can have big time skill. That'll make a significant difference. And give Huntley some more options to get of guys to get open. Because I don't have any problem acknowledging Huntley being able to do the job. I don't necessarily think, you know, he's all conference with uh, the Justin Herberts of the world, but I think he can be plenty, plenty good enough. And if you give him more options, he's going to take advantage of them. Because it seems like reading between the lines that Ludwig does not want Ever any game, Huntley to be the leading ball carrier. The, with that the, does seem with, clear, doesn't with it? The rushes. Yeah. Pick your spots. Hopefully, a couple times a game, a play will break down and you'll make a big play. And if but, you go back. But into, the days of 15 yeah. or 17 carries. Mm-hmm. They do seem like they're over because if you study Ludwig's history, and he's been around a number of places, but I've looked at this, and I haven't looked every single play, every single game, but I have looked at it. His quarterbacks were playing quarterback, not playing running back. Historically, in all the offenses that he's coordinated, the last uh, you know since he left here, I didn't go back before then, but since he's left here, at the places he's been, well, how has he been? Uh, has he been to four places? Top of my head. Uh, Cal Van. Well, he went to one, but then he didn't take the job. Kansas State. He was was at the job, but then he left. Is that Kansas State? Maybe somewhere he did. When he left Utah, he did take a job, but he didn't. He was gone before he coached the game. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to say that's the Kansas State. So I don't count that. But Cal, San Diego State, Vanderbilt, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Right. 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 With Gary. Uh, yeah, you look at uh, last year and you see uh, 16 carries for Tyler Huntley against USC, 17 against Washington State, 19 against Northern Illinois. I he, don't he was in double, that. He was in double figures in six straight, six straight games. I wouldn't think that would happen. If I'm betting, I think it's not not going to be. I think that Andy is designing his offense for Huntley to do his thing. And use the amount of weapons that they have. If he runs, run him in the red zone around the goal line where he can score. And then a couple well, times you, when everything breaks need to down. Scramble. And a couple times when everything's break down. And, and if he has five, or, that. And then five sure or six slide. carries is enough. You got two two objectives. Three gain yards. Uh, but slide to get get OB. Touchdown, first down, get down. The three downs for quarterbacks. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
HBO cameras on campus at Washington State at the Wazoo practice on Friday. Washington State's football team part of a series with HBO this season. The team confirmed on its Twitter account on Saturday. USC coach Clay Helton says freshman receiver Brew McCoy's health is improving despite a fever that's kept him practicing, kept him from practicing with the Trojans during fall camp. McCoy's dad told the LA Times his son's been dealing with a fever all summer. New England Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon conditionally reinstated by the NFL. He's been added to the team's roster and will be eligible to play in the regular season. Major League Baseball, Minnesota beats Texas 6-3. Cleveland beats the Yankees 8-4. Minnesota's still two and a half games up on Cleveland in the American League Central. Cody Bellinger hit his 42nd homer, but the Braves beat the Dodgers 5-3. The Bees are in Tacoma tonight, 8 o'clock. Listen to the game here on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922. Just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save at Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. A lot of times people will ask me if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist. I, We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that ever. I know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more I interest was, in the things I'm interested in. Was it just in? because of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her. Now, Dr. Hans. Dr. Hans. <laughs> Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh, man. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. For me, I am a BYU fan. I feel like Utah is a better team, but in the past eight seasons, they've given us opportunity to win, and we haven't taken advantage of it. And for that, I feel like it's on us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Brightstar. Join Hans and Scotty Wednesday, noon to 3, 1899 West Traverse Parkway in Lehigh. Customers that visit will receive a free liquid screen protector for your Android or Apple device while supplies last. Opportunity, PK. Will opportunity knock again? Sure. I don't believe between now and the rest of history that Utah will blow out BYU every game. So there will be opportunity, so as there has been most years during this Opportunity streak. will knock again. Could very well knock again next week. Had the chance with a two-point conversion at the end of one game. Had the chance with a 20-point lead last year. The opportunities are there. Multiple 20-point leads. At some point, make the big play. Yeah. Just that bowl game goes another five minutes. They win that game easily. Probably not as good a chance to win that one. If it goes another five minutes? Needed if another quarter. No, no, you didn't watch the game. Would have been a touchdown and a two-point conversion when he just claimed it right there. I think that was about like, that bowl game was like mid-season of uh, Major League Soccer. Nope. <laughs> it's the off-season. <laughs> mid-season. Oh, both weeks. You're right, you're right. That was one of the two weeks that they're not playing. Or going for another... Another crown or another cup or another title. I mean, geez, another yeah, tournament. Yeah, the Dixie Cup. Come on. 
holy freak, they get a lot. Uh, so, and if the opportunity isn't there, make it be there. Grab it by the throat. Just Demand create, it. Create the opportunity. Yeah. So much fun awaiting next Thursday. So much there for those people involved and for their fan bases. I'm excited for both fan bases to revel or be in despair. Short term. We get another ball game the next week. No team at 0-1 is in season-long despair. There's a hope. No, you There's look, a chance. You know, Utah started 0-2 in conference last year, did they not? They did. Yeah. Washington and Washington State both got them. Right. So there wasn't despair. So just whoever loses the ball game, it's, it's not despair. There's plenty of opportunity to succeed in the weeks it goes by fast I will say that it's not like a ton of opportunity but there's opportunity well for BYU there'll be Tennessee and USC Washington yeah but is that enough or has the streak become all so all consuming it's beat Utah or bust well no it's not beat Utah or bust not, not to you and I but I wonder what it is to other people no because you got if it is, then don't play the games. You've got games coming up after that. The season is it's evaluated in its entirety. It always is. The streak is separate. Because if it's beat BYU or if it's for BYU, if it's beat Utah or bust, then it doesn't matter what happens the rest of the season, which simply is not true. Jobs could be lost if they have a subpar season with a win over Utah. So, no, I don't think that anybody, not for you or I or me or you or the man in the moon or the boy in blue, everybody. All seasons are judged in their entirety. They're not judged individually. How many games did you win? How many games did you blow that you should have won? Because I think that's a form of evaluation. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously you want to minimize those. Because if you get beat, you get beat. Sometimes it happens. That's true. But did you blow the opportunity to win the game? So to get back to the question we discussed earlier in the show, will that matter to the Utes if they don't win the conference and they aren't in the Rose Bowl? If they get beat as opposed to blowing the game. In this particular season, yes, it will matter. Not always, but yes. You cannot have such a through-the-roof expectation and then have no consequence if those expectations are not met. doesn't work that way. There should always be disappointment if you have a shot at the Rose Bowl and you don't get there. It's a great prize. And to not snag it once you have a shot and you're close, it's got to be a disappointment. They have the best shot of the 12 teams. Because to get there, you got to do two things. You got to win your division and you got to win the final uh, game of the conference. And their odds of winning the division are way better than all those teams stacked over there in the North, beating each other up. 
Very much so. Absolutely, yes. Oregon and Washington. There's four teams. Washington State getting the, their coach 11-2. and two. Usually coaches lower expectations, and he's just running to the expectations, embracing them and raising them. Well, he has to. And then on top of that, you got Stanford when you've won the most titles three in eight years since they went to this format. It pretty much has to be championship or bust. You've had you've had the championship too often to be satisfied. That's with That's a stacked else. Uh, division for sure. Yeah, and you're looking at Cal, <laughs> who's not a garbage team. No, that's your fifth best team, and they're capable yeah. of going 500 and beating any of the big dogs mm-hmm. on a given for sure. If yeah. the offense takes a step forward, well, then they're just a legit contender because the defense is already championship quality. Well, we had uh, Polowski on saying, well, it has to take a step forward. It cannot take a step backward. So it will take a step forward. I don't know if it's a big enough step, but it will take a step forward. It simply has to, or jobs will be lost there. Mike Polowski, former Cal quarterback, now Cal broadcaster. If they don't take a step forward, then, my gosh, that's just awful. Stop playing those 15, 14, and 12 to 10 games, and 7 to 6. But when they play you, you better be prepared to play at a very high level in order to beat that Cal ball club. For sure, yeah. So Utah, uh, you can't really say that they should have not cakewalks, but they should have far much easier a much easier time uh, than everybody else in the North. Somebody will emerge from the North, and you'll have to play them, and that'll be a good team. So they can beat each other up all they want. I think what them beating each other up will just reflect on nobody from the North going to the playoff. But it won't reflect on their ability to win the division and then go the following week in Santa Clara and win that ball game. I don't care what their record is, and it's very well could be Utah could have a start, just a stunning, impressive record, and the North team won't. But the North team will be really, really good because from whoever emerges, they'll be good, and that'll be a test. Oregon loses to Auburn, wins the division at seven and two. That'd be a nine and three team in the conference title game, and Utah might be sitting there at ten and two or eleven and one. Yeah, but Oregon could still be all that, and they'll need that if you're the Utes. You want the South Division or the North Division team to be as strong as possible because you need strength of schedule. You need to prove something more than what you have the opportunity to prove in the non-conference. So you need another tough game. Couple of eleven one teams. That'd be great. Winner the to the playoff, I, I loser would, to the Rose yeah, Bowl. I would love to see that. That would resurrect the Pac twelve's image nationally to have teams of that that quality. Yeah, for the time being. It'd be a big step in the right direction versus some of the other years. No doubt about it. I can't argue that. When the Pac twelve felt like I mean they played the Pac twelve title game last year and there was no chance that either team was going to the playoff. That was just kind of an hors d'oeuvre. It was a football game on a Friday leading up to the big games on Saturday. Plus, what made it worse is you felt like whoever won was going to get blitzed in the Rose Bowl. Even worse. Yeah. And you'll be an underdog. Right. And that's what happened. So, I get your point. But it's even worse. Yeah. And I don't, I don't anticipate that this year. I hope for the conference's sake that it is not that. I cannot guarantee, but I anticipate that it won't be such a hopeless situation. Whoever won the game, it was an ugly game, and you didn't feel like, wow, they're going into their bowl game, the Rose Bowl, with a ton of momentum. Nah, you felt like, eh, get this season over with. In fact, both teams in the 
Pac-12 title game, lost to Big Ten teams in their bowl game. So yeah. that was not a good look. Yeah. Can't spin it any way possible. Other than that, that was not good. Those are your two premier teams. And they both got beat. Dang it. Didn't end well. If you're looking for national look. But that's, that sucks. But that was 2018. That has no bearing on 2019. That's the great thing about it. Everything is washed clean. And you can have an opportunity to go ahead and more so for your own individual program as opposed to your conference. But certainly you want it individually. And then if your conference gets some plot, it's because of it. Great. But you want yours. You can rise above a mediocre conference by winning all your ball games, or just having somebody else be good. It's not like you need four 10-win teams. You don't. Be nice. But if you had a couple of 11-1 teams in your conference title game, you could be setting yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, in one of the mind, other that's leagues, plenty good enough. One of the other leagues has a two-loss champ, so your team's getting in the playoff, and your runner-up's getting in the Rose Bowl, yeah, and away you go. But go get – I the Rose Bowl because that's not a beauty pageant. The other stuff – to a degree, is a beauty pageant. This needs to happen. That needs to happen. Well, there's only one thing that needs to happen. You earn your way into the granddaddy. And if you earn your way into granddaddy, great. You They win. I'm going up and giving Kyle a full frontal right on the cameras. Big old hug. Midfield. So that BYU-Wisconsin ending all over again? Are you catching? I won't leap into his arms. Oh, you won't leap into his arms? No, no. I just said a full frontal hug. He'll have to catch you. You're not catching him. Well, if I catch him, then we both fall. Because the ground will catch me. That'll be like that player who bowled over. he'll run me over. That'll be that <laughs> player who bowled over Tark and landed on top of him after Fresno State won at the Dominic Young. Is yes, there it is. Good call. <laughs> Good call. That was awkward. Coach, catch me. A timber. I was two feet away. I was a couple hundred yards away. When that happened. So my friends down in California were laughing because of the look on my face, thinking, oh, crap, I just had written something up on Utes winning, and now they lost. And I had a dumbfounded look on my face, and I had to quickly change that. But if they win the conference, that is a massive achievement. That is separation achievement. Separation from? Every team in the South. Sweet. And those are your primary competitors because you're playing them every year. And nobody has done that. Well, SC did it. But they're down right now. The luster would be gone for SC. They would have to catch you. Sweet. Urban would have to catch you. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) I heard through doing some reading over the weekend that SC scrimmage sucked. Over They had a scrimmage Saturday, and Helton is supposed to early this week, which is not that surprising because we're getting to the time, name a quarterback. And actually the redshirt freshman looked, not excuse me, not the redshirt freshman, the first-year freshman looked the best of the, the four. Now there was three guys from last year, and they're all back. And then this freshman what does that mean? I don't think. I was told that Helton has been orchestrating practices 
or Harold has to make Daniels look like he is the starter. Uh-oh. Because the last thing you want is to designate a starter and the players are like, what? Because <laughs> they yeah, got the, all sorts of problems. But the players know if it's orchestrated. Uh, to a degree. I mean, they know who was going against the ones and who was playing with the ones and who was playing with the twos. Yeah, they may, to a degree, sure. But that Helton wants to, he doesn't want to start over because he knows what's at stake. And most likely, so if you bring true, in somebody new. The true freshman looks the best, but you don't want to throw him up against the start of this no, schedule. No, because then you're going to end up, yeah. you know, you're going to struggle. I mean, last year, for all the what? crap that Helton took, they started a first-year freshman because they didn't expect Darnold to blow up and then take off. But he did. So... They got in a position where they had to go that route. It happens. Right? There's, a, there's any number of reasons why you, the Devils are starting a first-year freshman and their backup is a first-year freshman, which i got to believe is like, that's it's unheard a record. of. It's a record. Yeah, but that's because other guys didn't stick around. They left. They had three starters last year. Starting for other programs. Well, USC and you know Utah and BYU, you you won't have your teams playing Saturday because they play Thursday and Saturday night. USC plays Fresno State. Mm-hmm. That's the Mountain West defending champ right there. That's a twelve and two ball club. Now they did lose some guys. Sure. How much are they going to keep it rolling? But that's uh, the last game on ESPN Saturday night at eight thirty. Yeah, it's the classic Fresno State. Uh, any year they can be outstanding. You just never know how many transfers they've got coming in, who left the program. That's been their history. Uh, they had been down for a bit, but you go back when Sweeney was there, they, they, they can get you. If they're up that particular year, there's enough, I hesitate to say this, but there's enough leftovers in California to have a pretty good team. They've had pretty good teams over the years, and I can see that. Certainly it happened last year. That's undisputed. Whether it happens this year remains to be seen. But all Pac-12 fans need to be pulling hard for SC. Well, I suspect there'll be a number of hardcore fans here on the Wasatch Front watching that game because the Aggies might want to be scoping out Fresno State and the Utes and Cougars will want to be scoping out USC. Yes. Yeah. Plenty of, plenty of local ties to that oh, game. I look forward to watching that. 8.30 ESPN, Saturday night, a week from Saturday. Yeah. The opener. Right. All right, DJ and PK, we've also been talking today about the Ohio State University. They want to trademark the. What else should be trademarked? And we've got a bunch of suggestions. We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on Bob. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union. The Southtown Auto Mall. And Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. I think Craig Boulder Jack should 
trademark his sniff at the end of one of his uh, great points. You know, the Utah Jazz are going to be a great team this year because they got a point guard that can actually play. <laughs> I have not noticed that at all. I haven't either. <laughs> I thought that was going to be something about buckle up when he started in. Agreed. <laughs> I think he's just kind of just, you know, puffing up his chest. Hence the sniff. I've noticed when Norm Chow does it. I haven't noticed when Bowler does it. Really? Yeah. Allergies, sinuses. They're a killer. I didn't, I've not noticed uh, anybody do it. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. What should be trademarked? The Ohio State University wants to trademark the. Classless Skip says, we can't beat Utah, BYU. Somebody put a uh, billboard up. Let's do it. We've also got uh, the Jazz should trademark nightlife. Comes in from Jeremy. <laughs> okay. Clint says, don't be a party pooper at PK Kenan. Taysom Hill had 196 yards rushing and two touchdowns last year. Didn't surprise me. <laughs> I stand by my statement. Nothing he's done in the NFL has surprised me. Now, what he did against Texas, both games, that surprised me. Hurling guys and then running for 300 yards or whatever he did. That surprised me. What he, after that, there's very little he could do that would surprise me. Clint says we should downgrade the Beatles to the Fleas. They're downgrading songs after I We're messed up lyrics. Them. Yes. You should, Yuck, keep that as a drop. No. I'm leaving my baby. I'm leaving my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Got to brush up on my Madonna lyrics. <laughs> Uh, All right, uh, now, Yawk. I got it right in front of me. Yawk in the 21st century lingo. The the AP Top 25 has not been released. Yeah, no, Yawk excitedly yelled, it dropped. Yeah. Oh, it dropped. <laughs> it released. dropped. It's released. I got it right in front of me. No, it's not released, PK. Well, they dropped the ball on this, man, because they got the Utes as the third team ranked in the top 25. Yeah, well, there's there's debate about who should be the best team. The Utes, number 15. I got 14. 14. Come on, dog. Which one do you look at? <laughs> oh, I clicked on rankings. The coaches poll came out. The AP did. I'm like, what? Dang. He's leaving my baby, and the Utes are ranked 15. No, they're ranked 14, doggy. 14, celebrate, people. Man, you suck. <laughs> Yeah, but you'd be bored without me. <laughs> Oregon's 11, Washington's 13, Utah's 14. So put the three of them in a hat. Stanford, well, Washington State is 23. 23, yeah. Stanford, 25. And uh, others receiving votes in the conference. USC? One. <laughs> one person. Put SC 25th and got him one point. I assume. The last three teams and others receiving votes, ASU 3, Arizona 1, SC 1. 
Utah State, uh, which I'm Aggies. sure Doug yeah. Hoffman will be putting out a release right now. And others receiving votes. Rece- they'll put them at ranked, and they'll call follow it out. You're not ranked. You may be first in other receiving votes, but you're not ranked 26th. They, Utah State has received eight votes. So Utah State, SC, they got no, Utah's no competition. If they played Utah State this year, it would be better competition than SC. Boise State has uh, 38 votes. Fresno State has eight. If you're looking for Mountain West. And then the usual suspects at the top. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Florida, uh, Notre Dame, and Texas round out the top five. And then I already told you about Oregon. Nobody from the uh, Mountain West in the top 25. Just others receiving votes for uh, three of their best teams there. Correct. Nebraska had four and eight last year, ranked 24th. They're bouncing back, baby. But that's cool that the conference has five half, not, not not totally half, but almost half of the teams ranked. That, that's pretty good. Happy five, to see that. Yeah, take that. Uh, any uh, non-conference opponents, big games here, anybody else getting votes? Doesn't look like it. We just mentioned Boise, Boise with the 38, right, but other than that, you know, there's no South Florida or anything like that, or Toledo, nope. Nope. Well, we know that to wash for BYU, it's Washington and uh, uh, Utah. USC with the one. Yes. Those are their non-conference. Well, all their games would be non-conference, right. obviously. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Tony and Austin are up next. We'll see you.